Hello, and welcome to the Without Exception podcast. My name is Josiah Ott, and on this podcast, I seek to share practical content for everyday Christians. My hope is that I can help you live out your faith each day without exception. Thank you for tuning in today, whether it's your first time or you've been with me since the beginning of the podcast, I appreciate you listening. It really does mean a lot to me. Now, today is episode number 12, and I'm going to be discussing something that I'm pretty excited about because it's something that is part of my regular prayer time and something that God is working on in my life. And so I'm hoping that he will be able to do it in your life as well. And it's the topic of setting your mind on things that are above or renewing your mind. And so first I want to ask you, have you ever misplaced something? Inevitably you have, Uh, maybe this week even, or maybe even today, or maybe tomorrow, you'll misplace something that you use quite frequently. And it, it can be a cause of frustration. I know for me, and this might, this might seem funny, but something I misplace almost all the time, it seems are my earbuds. So when I go to work, I have the opportunity to listen to podcasts or music or different things pretty much all day long. So I always take a set of wireless earbuds with me. They come in the, in the little case. They fit in my pocket really good. And I also use them as ear protection. A lot of times I end up working with tools that are loud and different things. And so it is important for me to have some form of ear protection. And then I can also listen to things and I use them literally every day. However, it is so easy for me for whatever reason to misplace them. I don't set them in a, in a good spot. And so all of a sudden, you know, they're missing. And then I'm frustrated because I'm like, why did I lose these again? I use them all the time, and yet I put them somewhere where I wasn't paying attention. I'm sure that this has happened to you as well. Now, on the other hand, here's another example. Um, I've got many hobbies, and I've mentioned this before. One of my hobbies actually is I really um, enjoy shooting handguns. And so I know that might not be popular for some people, but it is something that I really enjoy doing. And uh, contrary to my earbud example, I've never misplaced any one of my firearms ever in my life. I mean, which is good, right? I mean, you, you'd probably be really concerned if I was like, Hey, uh, I'll, I'll lose my guns all the time. I don't know where I leave them. No, it like, but the reason is because I'm a lot more intentional with firearms than I am with earbuds. Earbuds is something that I don't really have a, a high regard for. They're not dangerous. There's no no real issue there. So it's very easy for me to just set them somewhere and not really pay attention. Um, But firearms are dangerous if they're in the hands of the wrong person or if a child happens to get a hold of them. And so I don't leave a handgun laying around. I don't, I don't lose them. I don't misplace them. I always know where it's at. I always, you know, I put it back in the safe when I'm done. You, You know, it's this whole idea because I'm intentional with where I set it. So if you take this kind of same application to the idea of our our minds and what we set our thoughts on, it's so easy, I know, for so many of us, if we're not paying attention, to just let things come into our mind that maybe don't honor God, and they can just take up residence there because we're not paying attention to what we're setting our minds on. Just in the same way that I can haphazardly set my earbuds to the side and then never know where I put them and then misplace them because I'm not paying attention, we can have that same exact thing happen. But if we start to really be intentional and focus on where we're setting our thoughts and and be smart about it the same way I am with firearms, then you're never going to lose track. It's very important. There's a a common example. You've probably heard it before, but if you haven't, I'm going to share it, is the idea of you can't control a bird flying over your head, 
that you can control a, a bird building a nest in your hair. I think it was Martin Luther that is credited with that illustration originally. So, you know, a bird's fly overhead all the time. But if it actually sets up residence in your hair, which is just a crazy thought, like nobody would let a bird do that. I don't think at least. It shows that we, we can control the thoughts that we allow to stay in our minds. Some thoughts might just come into our minds and we say, holy cow, where did that come from? I'd like that. I don't want to think that ever again. And then you can, you can just let that bird fly overhead and not let it take up residence. I've also heard it described as being like an air traffic controller of like, you get to let which, you know, or you don't get to let which planes fly overhead, but which ones are going to land in the, in the airstrip or whatever is kind of another example. And so it's all an important, uh, important discussion because biblically there's many times that we are commanded um, regarding what we think about. For one, uh, in Matthew chapter 22, verse 38, Jesus said in the great commandment, right? The greatest commandment when they asked him, what's the most important thing? He said, well, love the Lord, your God with what? Well, with your heart, your soul, and your mind. The third thing that we're supposed to love God with is our mind. And that is the greatest commandment in the eyes of Jesus. And if it's the greatest commandment in the eyes of Jesus, then it's certainly very significant. And we want to keep that in mind that we need to love God with our minds. And my main uh, section of scripture today actually comes from the book of Colossians chapter three. So this is another, another command that I love regarding the mind. And so it, it begins in verses one through four. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life appears, then you will also will appear with him in glory. So you, you look at this and you see that it's a command to set our minds on the things that are above. And in these heavenly things, these things that are above, they are actually the true reality of life for those of us who are in Christ. Because Paul says in that section, second half that I shared there, that we've died. Our life is hidden with Christ and God. And then Christ, he is our life when he, he is our life. And so when he appears, we'll be with him in glory and when he comes again. But the idea is our lives here on earth are, are hidden in Christ. And so these heavenly things are actually the true reality of, of life for Christians, for believers. That, that is our, our aim. That is who we are. And I love that if you, if you notice the very first word, it's such a small word and it's so easy to, to overlook at times in scripture, but the very first word from this chapter is if Paul says, if you have been raised with Christ, then this is what you should do. So for those people that are not believers, obviously this doesn't apply, but for those who are believers, if you have been raised with Christ, then this is what you are to do is what Paul is saying. And so he, he kind of lays out an order here and it's kind of helpful if you look at it in the order. And he says, if you've been raised with Christ, so first you have to be a Christian. Then if you're a Christian, the next thing to do is to seek the things that are above. Seek means to desire or to search for, even to investigate. So if you're raised with Christ, you start off being a Christian and then you need to search out and investigate and desire and find those things that are above, those things that are heavenly, those things that pertain to the kingdom of God and not to just this life. We need to search for them. And then when you find those things, so first you're a Christian, 
you become a Christian, if you're a Christian, then you search out and you seek for and you find these things. And then once you find them, it's our job to set our minds on those things. But you have to find them first. But once you find them, we set our mind on those things. And to set the mind on literally means to think. It's one word in the Greek. So to think means to set your mind on. Again, I, I think back to my initial example of where I am setting actual physical objects. That word of setting, it's it, literally you're placing your mind on a thought. And I think that's kind of a helpful way to look at it. And to remember that order as well. That first you have to be a Christian and then you move on from there. In Romans chapter 8, Paul shares another thought that's kind of similar in verses 5 through 8, he says, For those who live according to the flesh, they set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, they set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set this mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So he contrasts here. The man that is set on the flesh, who lives according to the flesh, and the man who is of the Spirit setting his mind on the things of the Spirit. It's the same concept. It's to think of, of those things, to literally set your mind on those things. And that word shows up again. I had never realized until I was doing this podcast episode how often that um, that phrase, set your mind, appears in Scripture. If you look in Matthew chapter 16, when uh, Peter confesses Jesus as the Christ, they have this awesome time where you know, and, and Jesus goes and said, Peter, hey, good job. You know, this is this is great revelation, and this came from God. And you know, on this rock, I'm gonna I'm gonna build my church, and it's this this awesome time. And then Jesus says, Well, I'm gonna go to the cross, and and Peter's like, No way, that's you, we can't do that. And then Jesus actually rebukes uh, Peter. If you remember, he says, Get behind me. And you know what he says after that? He says, You are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Again, it's that same same exact phrase. So from these three sections of scripture, we can see that we need to set our mind on, on the things that are above, things of the spirit, or things of God, however you want to term it. But it's all those same things. And it applies only to believers, but it's something that we are called to do. Jesus, part of the great commandment, he said Jesus is part of the great commandment, that we have to love God with our minds. And so it's obviously, if it's a commandment from Jesus and a commandment that Paul expounds on multiple times, we probably want to pay attention to what we're thinking about, to literally think about what we're thinking about. In Philippians 4, 8, uh, the apostle Paul wrote this. He said, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. He said, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Now in this, he doesn't say set your mind. He says to think. It's a slightly different Greek word. And this one literally means to count or consider, or even to keep a record of something, to bear it in mind, to remember something. And so you look at it, and, and we're looking at these things that are true, honorable, just, pure, lovely, and commendable. Just any excellence, anything worthy of praise. These are the things we're supposed to think about. These are the things that we are supposed to count or keep a record of. And I think it's a good habit to actually go and say, okay, well, I need to actually go ahead and get a list of things that are honoring to God. I'm going to count up a list of things that I'm grateful for. I'm going to keep a record of all God's done in my life and how great he is. And, and count up and consider the different things about God that I should be thinking about on a regular basis. And then again, that fulfills that part 
from Colossians where he says to seek out those things that are above. That's the first step is to go and say, look, I'm going to count up, I'm going to consider, and I'm going to find these things that honor God, and I'm going to choose to think on them. And an important consideration from this is how it'll help us live in life. If we have thought lives that honor God, then we'll be in much better shape to live lives that are honoring to God. And it's a question I look at myself sometimes. I'm like, does my thought life honor God? Does your thought life honor God? We often hear the term prayer life, but how about your thought life? The, the difficult thing about your thought life is that nobody knows it. Nobody knows your thoughts except for you and God. And so it can be easy to hide thoughts that maybe are not honoring to God, things that are of the flesh, as Paul said, things that are beneath, things are, that are earthly, um, things of, of man, I think is how Jesus put it when Peter was was getting kind of off track there and was rebuked by Jesus. And if you consider along these lines, not many major sins or huge colossal sins in life, I don't think many of them just happen in the moment. I think a lot of them begin as a thought. And then that thought grows because it is fed and it is continued on. I mean, if you think of people that commit adultery, especially, or people that have an affair, I can't think of a, an instance where somebody probably just all of a sudden it just happens. It's probably something that has taken place incrementally over quite the period of time, and it begins with a thought. And that thought stays and starts to build a nest in your hair. And the next thing you know, there's this major, major failure, but it didn't happen all at once. It happened because there was a, a thought that was not properly removed and it, and it was kept and it was fed and it grew and then it ended up resulting in just a colossal sin and so but the thing is uh, if we look at it and say maybe there's some thoughts we have that don't honor god the good news is that there is hope there's always hope that we can turn our lives around as christians and in just about anything but especially with our thoughts paul wrote in romans chapter 12 verse 2 said, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. said so that we can literally be transformed. The, the Greek word here for transformed is the same word we get the word metamorphosis in for, for English. So it's literally a complete, complete transformation. And we go and look at this, and it's something that I... I pray daily. It is part of my daily uh, prayer. I, I try not to have my prayers become too religious and exact word for word every day, but this is something that every single day is a part of my prayer life where I ask God to help me to renew my mind. It's like, God, I, I need my mind to be made new because it, there, at times all of us, again, all of us have birds flying over our head. That's something that all of us have to deal with. And so this, this process of, of being able to deal with those birds and not let them take up residence is, is a process that we need God's help for. And we want to be renewed. We want to be not conformed to this world. And then he goes and says that by testing, we might discern the will of God. And again, it goes back to that idea of seeking those things that are above. It's discovering what God's will is and to be able to, to execute it and to be able to set our mind on those things. But it first requires the act of discovery. Now, I want to share one illustration in closing, and then we'll go from there. A few years ago, my wife and I, we went to, um, I think it's called Corolla or Corolla, like the Toyota car, uh, but it's actually, it's a beach and uh, over near the Outer Banks. I don't know how to pronounce it. I just saw it on signs. 
and they have what is known as a four by four beach. If you've never been to a four by four beach, they're amazing. They're really, really cool. Literally, you can drive a any vehicle with four wheel drive straight onto the beach. And it, it's just, it's amazing. It was one of the coolest things I've done probably ever. I really enjoyed it. But what we ended up finding at one point is that there gets these uh, on this four by four beach, and this one was free. So it was very, um, very heavily used, but they had a lot of ruts that had developed on this beach. And the problem with a rut is once you get in it, it's very hard to get out. I remember at one point when we were on this four by four beach, uh, we had gotten in this really deep rut. I had a pickup truck at the time. It was an old GMC Sierra. It was a lot of fun, stick shift and everything. It was, it was a great time, but we got stuck in this deep rut and it was, it was really hard to get out of. And I got a little bit nervous because I looked, you know, ahead at one point on the beach and there was actually somebody else stuck in the rut that was driving towards us. So we were going away from the entrance. They were returning to the entrance and we were both stuck in the same rut, actually heading for each other. So inevitably one of us had to get out of this rut or we would have, we would have had an accident and it would have been, it would have been pretty ugly. Uh, but this rut, right, it, it, it came this time where you had to kind of slowly turn and you had to try to find a spot where it maybe wasn't as deep, but all of us, we can develop these ruts in our thinking, these negative patterns. There's literally, I believe they're called neurological pathways where we can go and have a thought and it, it literally develops a pathway. It literally develops a rut where it it's kind of a habitual thing where you think one thing and then it, it leads to an inevitable result. Where so if, if you're offended with somebody or you're upset with them and then you hear their name immediately because of this rut or this pathway, you rush to thinking maybe some really negative, awful thoughts because it's somebody that you're not super fond of right now. And in, in the same way, you could think good things. You could hear you know, something about God and then you could go and have this, this positive rut, this positive pathway that would take you to thinking uh, words of praise or ad- adoration or things that you're grateful to God about. So the, the concept can actually be beneficial if we use it for positive things. If you think God is the one who's created all things, so God has created our minds and God created within our minds the ability to develop these pathways. However, though, a lot of times we end up using them for uh, negative thinkings. We get in these ruts instead of getting on a good pathway leading to uh, godliness. And I, I had to do a paper um, for a course a few few months ago now on cognitive behavioral therapy. So it's a, it's a type of therapy and I'm, I'm no expert on it. I did do a paper on it. So I know more than maybe some people that don't know anything about it, but basically this whole type of therapy, you would go and you would see your counselor and, and they would try to find the things that establish this rut and then get you to think on different things. So basically, again, if you're thinking on God and it leads you to good things, like that's, that's positive. But if you're thinking on something that leads you down this really negative path. There's always like an entrance to that negative path. And so kind of the object to put it in really simple terms is to find what whatever the entrance is to the negative path and to be able to put up a barrier essentially and to think of something else so you don't even enter that path. Because once you get in that rut, it's really hard to get out. But if you can avoid the rut altogether because you know kind of how you get stuck there, what the first step there. And so it's something that people use for anxiety. It's for depression, for suicidal thoughts. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of mental disorders is actually going and changing the way you think about things by discovering, okay, why are you anxious? Okay, well, here's kind of the process. Well, what, what is the first thought that arises that takes you down this, this negative pathway? Okay, well, we're going to go 
you know, trace back to that thought and then try to counter it there. And again, again, it's very simple terms. I don't pretend to be a counselor or somebody that knows, you know, a ton about this, but through that paper, I was really amazed because I could see so much of a connection between what Paul wrote about setting your mind on things and, and on renewing your mind and actually what, you know, neuroscientists had discovered and, and therapists had discovered to actually help people. And, and the amazing thing, if you think about it too, is those people, right? This whole concept of therapy in that way, it's actually, it's pretty effective and they don't even need the Holy Spirit for that. So if you think as a believer, if you have been raised with Christ, how much more should we be able to control our thoughts, to set our mind on those things that are good, to avoid those negative pathways and ruts? Because not only do we have the knowledge of being able to change our thoughts, but we have the Holy Spirit to empower us to serve Jesus in every area of our lives. So I want to encourage you with that today to think about what you're thinking about. Think about how you think about yourself or other people or your spouse. You know, Think about how you think about God or, or maybe your work or all these different areas of life where maybe you could have a, a, a bad rut show up and try to see, you know, how do I enter into this rut? Where, where does the negative path start? And then turn to thinking about things that are above, setting your mind on those things that honor God instead. And so again, we have to first seek out those things, find those things that are honoring, honoring to God, find those things in your life that, that mean something to you as far as your relationship with God, and then actively pursue setting your mind on those things instead of things of the flesh, of this world, of our fallen nature, and something that will honor God. Remember, we have been given a command to love God with our minds. And it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we have the ability to fully renew our minds and honor God with our thoughts. Now, it may be a process. We can't get those thoughts that are good, honorable, just pure, lovely, and commendable to develop pathways in our mind overnight. But if we ignore those paths, eventually they'll grow over with weeds, the negative ones. And then we'll be able to blaze a beautiful trail of thoughts that are honoring to God and things that are above, things that are of the Spirit, and all of those different things. So with that, I thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Without Exception podcast. I pray that this episode has been edifying to you and that it is something you can put into practice in your own life. If you enjoyed this show, please subscribe and share it with others. If you were listening on Apple, I would love it if you would leave a review. It helps with the exposure of the show. That said, I pray you have an awesome week, and until I see you next time, let's live out our faith each day without exception.